Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY hi my name is jonathan the founder of gateway to freedom our next workshop is coming up june 28th through the 30th in texas in the hill country north of san antonio space is limited so call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY to register That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. I'm glad that you've decided to join us. My name is Jonathan, and I'm going to be uh, sharing a kind of a special talk that I gave uh, this last year to a group of married couples who were just saying, hey, we want to we want to grow in our intimacy. We want to grow in what it means to be uh, one flesh and what is the oneness that the Bible talks about in terms of covenant Uh, look like. And so I gave this talk and and my hope is that what you can discover through this is is the key word that I use in this talk that I think is so missing sometimes from relationships that are thriving, relationships that are growing in intimacy. And so I hope that this is something that blesses you. Uh, As always, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, do so through our website at puresexradio.com or on Twitter at puresexradio. But I hope this blesses you, and we'd love your feedback, so please uh, contact us and enjoy the show. So I have a pretty simple objective tonight. I want to share with you my story because it's going to relate to this issue of pornography and marriage and the struggles that can happen there, but I also then want to share with you one word that I hope will really encourage all of you as you seek to move forward as men and women of integrity, as men and women who want to live out God's design and purpose for sexuality. And so my story really began when I was 12 years old and I was introduced to something that I couldn't explain. I didn't understand. I spent the night at a friend's house And the next morning we got up, this is the summertime in central Texas, and we went and played in the woods behind his house. And as we were playing, he ends up telling me, oh, I want to show you something. And so we start going out into this open field, and there's nothing but a tree stump out in the middle of this field. And my friend is making a beeline for this tree stump, and all that's going through my 12-year-old mind is, hey, we're going to see something dead. You know, it's probably a carcass out here or something. That's all I'm thinking about. I have no clue what's about to happen. You probably do. So he gets to this tree stump. There's this hollowed out section. He's got his arm elbow deep down in this tree stump, and it sounds like dry leaves crackling. And then he pulls his hand out, and there's this rolled up magazine. 
I'm still looking for a squirrel or a raccoon or something. I don't have a clue. I'm this, I'm this innocent, you know, naive 12 year old kid. He opens this magazine and my world changed. It was porn. I'd never seen pornography in my life. I didn't have any context to be able to know how to interpret what I was seeing. I mean, I knew what I was seeing, but I didn't know why I was seeing it. And why was this in a magazine? And I couldn't even explain the things that were happening in me because I had these two simultaneous reactions. One was I felt this immediate sense of uh, fear and guilt. You ever had that feeling where you can't explain something, but you know you need to look over your shoulder to make sure nobody's seeing what you're doing? I had that feeling. Even at 12 years old, there was a part of me that sensed something doesn't quite seem right about this, even though I couldn't tell you why. But at the same time, something else happened that I couldn't explain, and that was I felt like electricity go through my body. I'd never felt such a rush in my life. And so for the next 10 minutes, my friend's thumbing through this magazine. I'm just trying to maintain consciousness. I have no idea what's going on here. And by the way, we would actually describe this in a counseling setting as trauma. This was overwhelming my system. I didn't know what to do as a 12-year-old kid. After we looked at that magazine, my friend tucks it back down in the tree stump, and we start heading off that field. And I was leaving that field completely differently than how I had come onto that field because now I was carrying a secret. And it wasn't like I was trying to carry a secret. It's just I couldn't think of anybody to tell. I wouldn't have thought at all to tell my parents about this. And then... I wouldn't have thought to tell any of my friends about it because I'd learned shortly after that that all my friends were looking at it. So I just tucked it away. I did what most kids do with something they don't understand or don't know how to handle, and that is hide. So I hid this. And this started to develop in me what I would call a divided life. Over junior high and high school, this became kind of my secret drug. I was going to church, I was going to school, I would, I would present to you an image of somebody who had it all together, a great Christian kid. But internally, I was starting to become addicted to pornography and not letting anybody know about this. And so this was my double life that was happening. And then I got into college and I went beyond what we call the flesh barrier. It wasn't about pornography anymore, now I'm being sexual with other people. And see, the thing about lust that I didn't know at the time was that it's never satisfied. That sinful part of us that wants to, wants to crave things for our own pleasure without regard for God's design or purpose is lust. And so the only word that lust knows is more. It doesn't know the word enough. See, if lust knew enough, then I would have filled myself up on that first magazine and been like, hmm, I'm full. I don't need any more. But the thing about lust is it deceives. It's like, it's like drinking salt water. You think you're quenching your thirst when actually you are killing yourself of dehydration. And that's really what pornography was doing to my soul, is it was killing me. Because we're told in the scriptures that the wages of sin is death. And so for all these years, every time that I was basically saying, yes, sir, to my lust, it was saying, here's your wage. Here's a little more death. And so when I finally got married, coming out of college, 
I was like a lot of Christian guys, especially, oh, good, marriage, finally. Now I can be rid of all this porn, rid of all this sexual brokenness, rid of all these things because, hey, marriage is that place where God smiles on sex and, you know, you have it anytime you want and all you want. And I'm thinking, great, this is going to be awesome. By the way, it is awesome, but let me get to that later. There's deception in that, though. Because what I was doing through this whole divided life through junior high and high school and college was I was building on a paradigm that says, I'm in the center and everything needs to revolve around me. That's the other lie of pornography. It makes you the center of your fantasies. Now, a lot of times when I tell guys that, they go, what? Are you kidding me? I'm not the center of my fantasies. It's what I'm looking at. Oh, yeah? Whatever you're looking at, who is it obeying? Who's she smiling at? Who's it really all about? Me. And so that's what I was learning through my addiction to pornography, is make everything about me, my desires, my pleasure, my wants, my needs. And so when I got married, I had this idea, this fantasy idea of it's going to still be all about me. But now I can do it with God's approval. Guess what? Selfishness doesn't get God's approval whether you got a ring on your finger or not. So I brought this brokenness into my marriage. And I did good for a while. I didn't look at pornography until six months into my marriage. And then I'm going to date myself here. I bought a computer because that's when computers were starting to come around. And, uh, and that's when the internet first started coming out. And this was the mid, early mid-90s. And I got me a telephone cord plugged up to the internet, and I started watching porn. And at first, I didn't think this is something that could destroy a marriage. I thought like a lot of guys, I just need some me time. You know, marriage is stressful. It's especially stressful when you come in as a selfish jerk. It's really hard to be married and be one when, you know, you're completely selfish. It's not designed that way. So I'm needing some stress relief. I need some me time. And I wasn't thinking it was that big a deal. But again, that's kind of the way lust operates. It's a little bit and then a little bit more and then more and more. And eventually, this new technology came out called chat. And I started getting in these chat rooms. And now I'm starting to be in these inappropriate conversations with real people. See, lust is never satisfied. And it will demand that you cross lines that you said you'd never cross before. See, even before I got married, I had made a promise when I was in high school to myself and before God that I'm going to do things your way, God. And I'm going to be a virgin when I'm married. Uh, my lust blew me right through that barrier. And then after marriage, of course, I stood on the altar, and it's like I'm promising myself to be true to this woman alone. And I did that in a room full of over 400 people, and I did that before God. And here I was now planting seeds in these conversations that were starting to take little steps across that line until eventually one day I'm in a chat room, and two little words come across the screen. Want to meet? I barely hesitated, and I said yes. I met this person offline, had sex, and then came home. And on my drive home, I'm shaking, I'm angry, I'm scared. 
and I'm making all kinds of promises. And the interesting thing about many of us in that situation, when we're making the promises after we've failed, is we don't recognize that the promises are still based on the paradigm we've built. They're all still about me. I promise to get rid of that computer. I promise to never do that again. You know what one of the, never, one of the promises we never make in that situation? I promise to tell somebody. We never seem to make that promise. And yet that's the thing that needs to happen. We have to come out of that darkness and bring it into the light if we're ever going to be changed. But I wasn't, changed, I wasn't ready to be changed yet. This went on for a while, the first four years of my marriage, where it wasn't uncommon for me to use the Internet just to set up anonymous sexual encounters. Until eventually, in 1999, I'm depressed, I'm suicidal, I've crossed legal barriers, I've solicited prostitutes, I've gone about as, as deep and as dark as you can go into a sexual addiction. And eventually I decided I don't want to do this anymore. And I think because I was too lazy to write a suicide note, I just dumped everything on my wife on a Tuesday night in 1999 and I thought confession was all I needed to change everything because amazingly when I confessed everything I felt better still completely self-centered not realizing just how this has totally crushed my wife in that moment less than a week after that confession I was in bed with another woman when I came home my wife says I'm out of here I know where you were I don't want to ever see you or speak to you ever again and she left she drew a line in the sand now, she didn't know this, but that was actually the catalyst that God used to take me to my knees, to break me. It's one of the foundational reasons that our ministry is named Be Broken. Brokenness is good when it takes you to the foot of the cross. I needed to be broken. I was a proud man. I was trying to hold on to my life. I was trying to control outcomes. I was still wanting life to be all about me. And God allowed the weight of my sin to eventually drive my wife out the door and crush me. And in that crushing, God actually reminded me of his grace. Because on my living room floor that day, as I realized just how much I had wasted my life, how much I had hurt so many people, how much I had offended a holy God, I found myself crumpled on my floor, crying my eyes out, fully expecting that this would be the moment that the wrath of God comes out on me and really finally lets me have it. And instead, an arm comes around my shoulder on the floor. Now, you have to understand, I actually grew up in a very conservative evangelical tradition. We were not a church that was prone to experiences. I love the way that God doesn't fit into any of our boxes. He will meet us how he wants to meet us. And when I finally was crushed in spirit and even in body, I believe that Jesus Christ crawled on the floor to put his arm around me. And he whispered into my soul, I know, I know, I know. He gave me a comfort in that moment that reminded me that I am not saved or transformed by me. I'm not saved or transformed by the law. I'm not saved or transformed by how well I perform. I'm not saved or transformed by how well I look to others. I'm only saved and transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's undeserved kindness. And that was the first day of the rest of my life back in 1999. And God has done some incredible miracles since then. One is after nine months of separation from my wife, he restored my marriage. 
And that was a tremendous restoration. And in December, we celebrated 23 years of marriage. And that is by the grace of God that we have been married for 23 years. And I'll tell you, there's been a lot of growth that's happened over those years in terms of understanding how do we communicate? How do we not drift? How do we make sure that we are not putting anything in the dark? And it's interesting because after what we've gone through, do you realize that there is very little that we get riled about in our relationship anymore? When we got back together, basically when you've been to hell and back, you don't worry about a car breaking down. When there's no money in the bank, you just go, it's just money. It's not a relationship. Who cares? It's amazing the perspective you get when pain enters your life and when you recognize what's actually important. And when, I began, when God began to rebuild my life on what is actually important, which is the grace of God and relationships, that's when everything began to change. And he restored my marriage. He gave me three beautiful kids, all of whom are in high school now. I've got an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old. So there's chaos in our lives. But even that, it's like, hey, no big deal. We're all together. That's what matters. But I want to share with you, and then, then he did the unthinkable in my mind. He, he called me into ministry. And he called me into ministry with three little words. He said, tell your story. And I said, I don't want to. I mean, this is 2002. And God was nudging me in that direction. And I'd, I'd learned how to kind of hear his whisper. And I didn't like what he was saying. I was like, <laughs> actually, I liked what he said at first. He said, do you want unbelievable joy? Of course I do. Tell your story. Wait a second. We just got disconnected. Something happened. How does joy connect with telling my story? God, you know my story. It's ugly. And finally, I realized after I got laid off from my job, you know, unexpectedly. Uh, God is interesting, by the way. He won't infringe on your free will, but he can narrow your options. Okay, so he was leading me into full-time ministry, whether I liked it or not. But good news is, wherever God leads, it's good, even if it's hard. And so uh, since 2003, I've been telling my story in hopes that it can invite other people who might be living that same double life to come out of the shadows and actually step into the light and say, you know what, I, I don't want to go any further down this road. I don't want to cause any more pain in my own life. I don't want to be the self-centered jerk. I don't want to hurt my wife anymore, hurt my husband anymore. I want to actually come out into the light, deal with it in the open, deal with the pain and the realities of the consequences so that a new foundation can be built on the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And so the word that I want to leave with you is actually a word that comes from Jesus. And it's a word that's meant all the difference to me over these last 19 plus years of recovery and growth. And, and I hope it speaks to you something, because I, I really believe that, that each of you are going to be able to take something personal out of this word, because I believe that every single person in here needs to actually hear this word, because of whatever circumstance you're in, either in your relationship, in your work, in just your growth as a couple, being able to understand what is, why, is, why are certain things so difficult? Why are there so many challenges? Uh, making decisions, what does the future look like? There's a lot of things that can stress in on us and press in on us. And the word that I want to give you actually comes from the mouth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. And he says this, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is the word. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
I think in our relationships, even in our individual lives, and I think in our culture, we don't live in that word very well. I think there's a lot of things, and pornography is one of those things that will bring anything and everything but rest into your life. It will bring discord. It will bring chaos. It will bring brokenness. It will bring division. And so this rest, there's actually two components to it. Did you know actually Jesus is inviting you to have two kinds of rest? One is he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Laborers are the ones who are saying, I'm going to work so hard that I can actually get God's attention. These, these are the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And this still happens today. There's all kinds of ways that we think we can work to really earn favor with God. Sometimes we do it to impress other people. I'm going to work hard just so I look good. I look really righteous. I look really, you know, put together with other people. Do you know how exhausting that is? I do. It's extremely exhausting. But then there's the heavy laden. Did you know every single person in here at some point in our lives has had somebody else's sin and somebody else's brokenness dumped into our lives? Many of us, that's how we actually got introduced to pornography. Somebody else's brokenness got dumped into our lives. And that creates a burden. We didn't create that burden, but it was put on us. And then often what gets added to that burden is shame. And it becomes so heavy. And Jesus says, both the laborer and the heavy laden, come to me. And then he uses promise language. He says, and I will, I will, I will give you rest. Notice it's a gift. It's totally free. And all you got to do is bring your brokenness. Jesus says, bring, I already know what you're carrying. In fact, I called you out. You who labor and are heavy laden. Yeah, I see all of you. Come to me and I got a free gift for you. It's rest. But you know what's interesting is I think many of us, maybe even most of us, only ever experience that first kind of rest that Jesus gives. This is the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers to all who come to him. And yet then he says, hey, now that you're close enough, now that, you're, now that you've received this gift, I want to challenge you and invite you to something that goes even deeper because I want you to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, I think what tends to happen is we're, we're really eager and happy to receive God's rest, and then we say, but can I kind of keep looking at porn too? Can I, can I kind of keep doing things my way? Can I still be the center of attention? Can I still actually have things my way? And he says, oh, wait a second, got to put my yoke on you. You know, in the old days, They'd take oxen, and they'd do them in pairs. And they'd usually take an older, more mature oxen, and they'd pair it with a younger, kind of feisty oxen, and they'd yoke them together. They'd put the, this yoke over their necks so that they have to go in the same direction. And whichever one is stronger is the one that actually steers the direction. So the older, more mature one would be the one that actually steers. So that oxen is actually going, that other oxen, if it tries to go another direction, it's going to actually, it's going to be painful. There's actually a good kind of pain that happens when we're trying to resist the yoke of Jesus. But he's saying, put it on and learn from me. And I want to share with you something that we see in our ministry all the time, and this was really helpful for me. Feet follow focus. Feet follow focus. 
Did you know you will always move in the direction of what you're focused on? This is why negative imperatives never work. Let me prove this to you. Do not think about a pink elephant. Don't think about its pink ears. Do not think about its pink trunk. Don't think about its pink tail. Don't think about its pink feet. Do not think about a pink elephant. What's everybody in the room doing? You're thinking about a pink elephant. That's the principle here. Jesus is saying, put my yoke on you. Make that your focus. Everywhere I go, you go. Everything I say, everything I do, you say, you do. Feet follow focus. So even if you get up in the morning, you say, I don't want to do, and then you fill in the blank, guess what? You're already focused in that direction. What if we change that and said, Lord, today I put your yoke upon me. I want to get in your word because you are actually the living representation of the written word. And I want to know what you have for me today. I want to focus on that. I want to focus on you because if I'm focused on you, I'm going to move in your direction. And guess what is not in the direction Jesus will take you? Pornography. Jesus will never lead you to pornography. So those things are mutually exclusive. You can know that if you are walking with Jesus, you're not walking towards pornography. You're not walking towards the things that are going to create chaos and division and discord in your relationship. And then the interesting thing about that, he says, when you take his yoke upon you and you learn from him, he says, you will find rest for your souls. See, the first rest, he he says, hey, totally free. Come to me. I'll give you rest. But he says, when you learn from me, when you take my yoke upon you, you're going to discover for yourself an even deeper rest. See, that's the part that took recovery for me to figure out. And by the way, I'm still figuring it out. We're all in process. It's a journey. See, it took recovery for me to realize that if I try to continue to hold on to my life, if I try to continue to say it's my yoke, guess what? I will never have that. I will never find that deep rest for my soul. It is actually only through taking on Jesus' yoke and faithfully obeying him that I have found a deep rest for my soul. And you know what I discovered? Addicts can be free. Addicts can be free. I do not buy into this notion, once an addict, always an addict. That's not a biblical model. The gospel of Jesus Christ said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And this is saying when we take on Jesus' yoke and when we learn from him, we will find rest for our souls. I stand before you by the grace of God as a man who is completely free from addiction to pornography and sex. And yet I still wrestle with temptation. I won't be free from the presence of temptation until I'm at home with Jesus. But you know what? We don't have to be afraid of temptation if we're wearing the yoke of Jesus. And finally, one final note on that passage of rest. Jesus actually tells us another promise. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Now, that always confused me because I thought, oh, man, feels like everything's heavy in my life. Feels like there's a bunch of stress. I mean, you know, God, my wife isn't all like me. You know, why, why did that have to happen? She's nothing like me. We're totally stressing all the time, and there's all this conflict and all these arguments. And yet, I realized that much of that comes out of 
me trying to crawl back onto the throne, me trying to say, I want to control outcomes. I want to be the sovereign one over my life. I don't really want to surrender control. I don't really want to put your yoke on Jesus. I don't really want to follow you. I don't really want to lay my life down for this woman. And it's like, okay, well then what do you want? Do you want chaos and discord? Or do you want rest for your souls? First John 5, 3 says, and this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, it's one of those things that you can only discover when you do it, not when you think about it. And what I mean by that is obedience. When Jesus is saying, take his yoke upon you and learn from him, he's saying, I want you to step where I step. I want you to say what I say. I I want you to do what I do. And we find that in the scriptures. We're taught how to live like Jesus in the scriptures. And we think, I mean, I did, I would think about that a lot. Oh, that sounds great. I think that's awesome. But I really still don't want to give up control. I really still don't want to actually do that. And I could think about it all day and never find rest for my soul. It wasn't until I actually stepped out of the boat It wasn't until I actually took action in putting into action what Jesus has told me to do that I actually found that deeper rest for my soul. So my encouragement to you or my question for you is as you think about your own life, as you think about your relationship, as you think about maybe some of the things that are a hindrance to intimacy and oneness in your your relationship, what is it? that is keeping you from finding rest for your soul. Maybe even before that, what is it that is keeping you from coming to Jesus for that absolutely free gift of rest? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it unforgiveness? Maybe it is pornography. Maybe it's worry. There's all kinds of things that can get in our way that we start to focus on and feet follow focus. And so my question for you tonight, even as you're going into your groups, is to be thinking about what is blocking me from the rest that God wants me to have, that he's, that he's offering to me? What am, what am I doing to prevent receiving that? Is there something that I'm blocking that with? Is there something that I need to lay down so that I can now actually embrace the rest that he has for me? I hope and pray and trust that the Holy Spirit is already doing business in your heart right now, bringing to mind those various things that you might still be clinging to that are preventing you from having deep, abiding rest in your soul. And don't get me wrong, we daily have to put that yoke on. It's not like a one and done I have to put the yoke on every single day. It's a practice. It's a discipline. That's why we call it discipleship. We are learning how to be more and more like Jesus in our lives and in our relationships. And it's the things like pornography that become cancer in a relationship and distract us from finding our rest in Jesus. So I encourage you, come to Jesus. Receive the rest that he has for you. And then learn to daily put on his yoke so that you can find that deeper rest for your souls. Let me pray for us. 
Lord God, we do thank you that you are a God who invites us to come into your rest. Lord, in this room, I know there are people who are struggling with all kinds of issues in their life. I know there are both men and women who are struggling with pornography. They're struggling with knowing how to give it up, how to even maybe talk about it with somebody. Lord, I pray that you would gently encourage them to come into the light. Lord, I pray for those who are holding on to any unforgiveness in their lives for things that have happened to them in the past. Lord, gently bring them into a place of surrender, acknowledging that the pain is real, the memories are real, but Lord, give them the grace to release that to you. Lord, I pray for those who are angry and proud and struggling with all kinds of control. Lord, I pray that those idols would be laid down at your feet in exchange for the rest that you want to give. Lord, we're grateful for your grace and your kindness. I pray for these couples, Lord, that you would give wisdom and direction and that you would be reflected in their lives in a way that the watching world would see Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we lift you up tonight. Pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Well, listeners, thanks for listening and for uh, being with us. I hope that that talk was a blessing to you and is a blessing to your marriage uh, or future marriage. And if you'd ever like to reach out to us, please do so through the website at puresexradio.com or on Twitter at puresexradio. We're always so glad that you've decided to join us, and uh, we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.